Hi, we're in a new episode of the History and Politics podcast, and we have a great guest. We have uh, Kenneth Sanchez, who is a Peruvian journalist, to talk about the, the elections in Peru. So, hi, Kenneth. Hi, Camila. Thanks for having me today. Yes, so the... I think uh, like the the surprise that that has been this the second round of of, of the election in, in Peru has been very uh, has been asserted to be covered by by the media, which was very confused about Peruvian elections because the, the first round uh, of elections in, in Peru has been there were eighteen candidates and and many polls kind of show. A different candidates at different points kind of having an edge but but it wasn't really clear what was going on and then when 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 the the results and and, and that on the, on the day of the election uh, it appears like two candidates who represent in some ways very opposite opposite sides uh, politically like Pedro Castillo who comes from a leftist party Peru Libre mm-hmm. and and, and and Keiko Fujimori of the of the rightist uh, um, Fuerza Popular, and it, it is a very kind of unique election. And I think the the the, the thing that that makes it, I think, very very uh, a very pandemic election in some way. Like Peru, for those who don't know, is the country with the highest. Uh, that uh, per capita in, in in the war because of, of COVID nineteen has hit the country particularly bad, even by the standards of Latin America, which has handled pretty bad in general the this this COVID nineteen pandemic. But um, also because while a candidate like Pedro Castillo is from the left. And, and, and a lot, in particular, in his rhetoric about economics, it not necessarily sounds that much different to, to other people on the left on, on some issues. But on social issues, he's fairly more conservative. So that that is a narrative that I think, mm-hmm. particularly overseas, it, it's kind of complicated. So, um, how how do you think this this kind of process is is, is being covered? In the in the in the kind of foreign press, do you think they are reaching out to to understand what 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 really is going on? Because I feel it's it's very complex to explain it to 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 people uh, overseas the kind of, of, of political complexity of this moment. Yeah, well, regarding the uh, foreign press coverage of the the election. I think, well, when you cover something from abroad, you always have to put it in very simple terms, you know, because when people that are reading this, uh, just international section, they don't know the the little details, you know, the little uh, complicated issues. They just, foreign press is more of a broad paintbrush, if you if you must, you know. There's really good coverage, and then... But it's usually more broad than you would find in a in a national paper, for example. I actually think the foreign coverage hasn't been has been quite good. I I I am a big fan of you know the work of America's Quarterly. You know I think uh, AP has done a great job as well. They did a great piece on uh, all. Uh, they went to the 
Andes in Peru, you know, the, the area where, where Castillo got most of his votes. They went to Ayacucho. They went to Huancabelica. And they spoke to the people from the this uh, for the Associated Press. They spoke to the voters of Pedro Castillo. And they did a great, great, great uh, piece on that. I think you should all read it. I think it was Franklin Briseño who wrote the piece. And I think uh, coverage, as usually, is a bit more... Uh, broad, but there's been, there's been great coverage. Uh, Mitra Taj for uh, the New York Times as well has done a great job, uh, and just overall Reuters as well as well as well has done great. There's been a lot of great coverage from abroad, but again, when it comes to the foreign press, you, you cannot go into the little details that you would in the foreign or or, or sorry the national or even the local press. You know, they we know, and the people who read the national or are the, and the local papers. They know all the dynamics, you know, or they at least understand or have heard about them. Whilst when you report something from foreign press, uh, it's a bit more broad because you have to make the, the foreign reader, you know, uh, understand all the issues and you need to be a bit more general. But I think the coverage has been great, you know, there's been great outlets and great journalists. There's great outlets and journalists here in Peru that do a terrific job covering this election for both English, uh, Portuguese and, uh, sorry, Portuguese-speaking, English-speaking, and Spanish-speaking um, publications abroad. Yeah, I, 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 I was. Um, I, I will say I, I agree that there are really interesting things. Uh, what I do think is that the the difference maybe with the coverage of, of, of other um, countries uh, in the region is that you kind of have to search for it, so it's not. You know, mm -hmm. as, as prominent, for example, like the case of, of Bolivia, when there was uh, the ousting of, of Evo while he was still in office. Thing, uh, the 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 kind of interest there was a, a lot of American podcasts. You know, they started covering the, this uh, was uh, debated in 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 different even the television channels and overseas. So. So it generated kind of an amount of coverage that that, that was uh, that was uh, fairly much more um, broad than just the the, the the Britain press and and when when there was the the, the, the what has been um, considered a, a parliamentary coup in in, in, in Peru it it was at, at the beginning it was like uh, very difficult to 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 get a hint of it. I, I often mention that I think the first media publication that covered it was the Wall Street Journal, and actually they sounded quite critical of of, of Merino. So I think it is curious. I, I and I do think it, if if for Peru, like maybe it's, it's less on the center. It's it's even less uh, cover Ecuador. Um, that is something that, that I think when Jacob Perez was kind of seeing as, as, as going up in, in, in the polls, you know, mm -hmm. uh, he generated some interest, but when he wasn't in the second round, um, there was kind of a, this, this interest kind of, kind of fell. So it, it was kind of strange, uh, I, I will say, uh, but I, I, I do agree that there has been some some coverage that, and, and, and particularly, I think something that that is worth noting is there were eighteen candidates in the in the first round of election. Mm -hmm. Maybe we should talk a, a little bit about it because 
Uh, if something there there is uh, very clear is that the political system in Peru is very divided, um, and and actually a, a presidential candidate in Chile was being interviewed in Chilean television, <laughs> and, and 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 the and, and, and a member of the center left, and there there are a lot of talks between the the kind of unity they want for 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 the elections, and and, and the journalist was asking, but but why. Do you think things can end up like Peru with 18 candidates? And he was saying, well, basically the, the, the political system has completely disappeared. Like basically more or less saying that kind of candidates are candidates of, of their own. Like they don't represent kind of a political project. And to some degree, in, in some particular cases, I think that is kind of the case that, you know, like uh, what the in some ways political parties are changed names it don't have necessarily a, a, a doctrinal you know ideological commitments and, and mm-hmm. have very vague uh, statements and i think the the first round of the election i when 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 there was the surprise of of of, of pedro castillo um Passing to to a second round, uh, an analyst Jose Carlos uh, Requena mentioned something interesting mm-hmm. uh, that, that he was thinking that there was going to be a surprise. So he was thinking that probably uh, Johnny Lascano, who is from a party that that uh, at least at this point is clearly on the center right and even has further right elements like uh, like Acción Popular, but he has kind of a more much more populist message was going to grow, or that even Veronica Mendoza was kind of a more uh, standard progressive uh, candidate was, was going to, to rise in the polls at, at, at the end. But that the, the idea of a protest vote against uh, against the system was much more clear with 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 uh, Pedro Castillo, who, who, who went up uh, uh, rising in, in the polls in the in the last week one point per day, uh, and and in a very extended field of eighteen candidates, that's quite impressive. So, uh, what what do you think about this kind of the the, the end of the, the first round, which was kind of a a very convulsed moment in which there was a lot of uncertainty and and and, and how that that start to to paint the, the the second round yeah well just in broad terms uh I, just to say something about the party the amount of parties on the the election on 2016 and on 2011 we only had 10 parties running for president only but it's it's actually, it's a lot but it's less than 2021 why do we have so many parties? Because if you don't run for office, if you're not part of the elections, you might lose your party. You must you might lose the inscription the inscription to your party. Which is why so many parties, either by alliance, by making an alliance, or by just for the sake of running, they ran for, they run for president or they run for office. You know, we had twenty parties running in the uh, parliamentary elections. You know, we had APRA as well there, and we had the FREPAP that didn't have a that didn't present the leaders. And this is this is, uh, this is due to the political reform uh, that was passed. So if you don't make five percent in the legislative par- parliamentary elections, you lose your uh, inscription. So a lot of parties 
uh, I think felt obliged to to make make a run at it, and that's why we ended up with such a big pool of candidates. We had eighteen, we had tw- ten uh, last time, and ten in twenty eleven. So it is quite a bit. Of, it's quite a large amount of candidates, and th- that is is due to the factor of uh, you know the pandemic and you know a lot of people being angry, a lot of options, but also it was due to the political reform, which hopefully in twenty twenty six will yield us less than 10 candidates because a lot of people have lost their inscription, you know, Juntos por el Perú, Partido Morado, Victoria Nacional, they've all lost uh, their parties, essentially. They're going to have to write them up again, you know, get the signatures. And that's going to obviously take a while. And some of them might just not do it, like El Partido Contigo, which won the election in 2016 with Pedro Pablo Kuczynski. They lost their uh, their party. They lost the inscription to the party. They had like 10,000 votes, I think. It was nothing. It was quite ridiculous. It was... Uh, you know, as always, Peru Peruvian parties are not great. Political parties are in a bad place. You know, there's plenty of stuff written about it. You can read Levitsky, you can read Saravia about it. Uh, but yeah, we have a lot of parties, and in such a small election, no one, no one was polling above 10, 12 percent. You know, there's always a bit of a surprise at the end, and this one was Castillo. He was going up, as you say, one point a day. He made his campaign the normal way, uh, disregarding most of the COVID restrictions. You know, he was going to the to the plazas. You know, he was making speeches in the plazas. He was going all over Peru. He got COVID. He actually got COVID, had COVID because of this. Uh, he was going all all around, and he made it. And even even he made he had one point a day, and even still, he only reached like eighteen percent or like nineteen percent. That's nothing. <laughs> we make we 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 are we're, we're I think we are making a good effort, and we we should continue to understand why people voted for Castillo because obviously there's a reason behind it, and people are the vote. We should never underestimate the voter, but nineteen percent is not that much, <laughs> you know. Veronica yeah. Mendoza had eighteen, and she was third last time around. I think Kuczynski had like twenty one, and Keiko had like thirty three. Obviously. And there were 10 parties that time. So 10 presidential candidates that time. So obviously it's it's very impressive to rise like that, like Castillo did. It's, there's so much merit to him. But I, but if you compare it to other elections, it's actually not that much. I, I just want to put that in perspective because obviously he's someone who, who has touched a lot of people, who has made uh, an impressive campaign, to be honest. But in comparison to other campaigns, he hasn't... He hasn't done a lot more than other people. Having said that, uh, he did a lot more than most political parties or candidates. That's why he that's why he won the first round, and that's why he's still winning the, the second round right now, according to the polls. So there's definitely some nuance in there. You know, it, it isn't that he he has this amazing run. He did, but in comparison to other elections, it's not that impressive. But it is impressive in its own right when it's. Uh, in its own context, you know, in this very, very, very particular and atomic election. Yes, maybe we could talk a little bit briefly about the the, the kind of the ones who, who didn't pass, which were, uh, but but maybe just uh, uh, some of them because there were so many. But one of the most curious that that, that we have. Uh, mentioned already is, is Johnny Lascano of, of, of the Acción Popular, which 
which was a, a centrist party at one point. I think at this point it, it leans much more to the center-right. Um, but he was kind of a populist, and, and some people argue that, that he was kind of stealing votes from, 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 from Veronica Mendoza, which was a much more progressive candidate. But, mm-hmm. but his candidature seemed to have committed a lot of mistakes at, at, the, at, at the end part of the... Of the the first round, he seemed like like he believed that he already had won the election, and I think that led to 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 Castillo. I think he Castillo, and, and some argue in the press that 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 kind of like the press was kind of nice to Castillo, wearing criticizing Castillo in order for him to take votes from from Veronica Mendoza. But what it seems is that he ended up taking votes. Particularly from from Johnny Lescano, but but also the the ones that were undecided that uh, and that at the last time decided to vote for for Castillo. So I think that is a, an interesting development. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think with with Lescano, he suffered from the great disease that all presidential candidates suffer. That is leading the polls. Leading the polls is the worst thing that could happen to you if you're a candidate in the presidential election in Peru. Forsyth was leading uh, in December, January, and he he his party they, they didn't even make five percent in the le- in the parliamentary elections, and I think he he got like six, seven, eight percent. That's that's nothing to, to compare to his lead at the beginning. Uh, Lescano as well suffered from that, and he was leading the elections for like February and March, and then he got dropped down. If you're higher up, then there's more. There's more press around you. There's a bit of you are on the uh, you're on the spotlight. So you everything you have you've done wrong, right, is gonna come under the um, under the scrutiny of the of the press. So it's it's very very uh it's very hard to be a uh, number one or to be leading the polls in Peru. You know, Castaneda had the same thing in in 2016. He was leading at some point and then he got absolutely this destroyed. So. It is it is quite a big 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 one to lead an election in Peru. It's, it's actually it's not it's not as good in any other country. You know, you're leading the election, and you're like, oh, he might he has a chance of winning. If you're leading the election, uh, it's very tough here. <laughs> it's, it's 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 quite complicated. And that's why I think Keiko has a chance in the second round because Castillo is leading. So you have more to lose. <laughs> yes, I, I, I think. Um... The in some ways the, the there is an element that I think is very interesting, which uh, I, I, I think it, maybe we should mention a little bit about George Forsyth for for those who, who haven't heard of him because he was a, a football player he was a goalkeeper uh, and 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 he then in, in his brief stint as mayor of La Victoria which is a a very populous district that 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 has uh, many a, a huge deal of commercial activity. He was seen as tough on law, um, and 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 his campaign was very eclectic. He had some elements of the center right, some other much more conservative elements, but it, it didn't seem to 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 fly. In some way, it was too vague. It wasn't clear what was he was was trying to do. So I think, and his campaign was, um, it was difficult where where it was going. Um, 
and and many times like he wasn't even in purview. The the one that was interviewed a lot was Jorge Nieto, his mm-hmm. candidate for for Congress, and with a fairly competent politician, I think, and, and responded with with conviction and and who defended him. But the the issue is that that obviously like. Uh, the candidate was was George Forsyth, so so people expected more of him, and he didn't deliver. And and he's uh, he was kind of a, a centrist option in some way. And um, and and I also think we should mention our candidate that at one moment it, it kind of was central to to the narrative of the election that was. Uh, Rafael López Aliaga, who is a businessman that that, that ran on a very kind of right-wing populist and, uh, campaign. All right, All right. <laughs> some, some, some say. Uh, I do think it is curious. I think some journalists call call him the the, the Peruvian Bolsonaro. Yeah, he he called himself that uh, like last year. He he, <laughs> he did that in in an interview with RBP. He he went in and said, "I'm the Peruvian Bolsonaro." He he tracked back, obviously, because he realized how bad that was. But he 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 did say it, so it it's kind of his fault that people called him that. <laughs> okay, well, I think, yeah, I mean, it is curious because I think he had you know a moment of growth, and and he 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 sounded like a populist. He said that he wanted to 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 kick out all the breach of the country, which is the, the company that has been uh, included in the Lavajato corruption cases. Uh, and, and, and But in other issues was uh, running a very fairly conservative campaign. One of the kind of, and this is kind of a very strange kind of alliance with, with, with the ethno Caceres movement, which uh, it is difficult to, to describe in a few words, but in theory is more much more left-leaning. But it seemed that that made him lose some followers actually on the right. And then, and since then, I think he didn't kind of record that much of, 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 of his support. And, and I think it was a very curious campaign, uh, the, the one he, he did, a very kind of, um, as, as you mentioned, as, as the Peruvian Bolsonaro, uh, I think he was running kind of the campaign that Bolsonaro ran in the Peruvian context, and and I feel it, it, at the end it seems that that probably some of the votes that, that were from from Rafael López Aliaga end up going to to Keiko Fujimori. It's still unclear why exactly. Maybe the, maybe some. Some of the people much more on the right told that, that that whoever was the other going to to, to the second round that, that that maybe Fujimori was going to be a much more solid candidate, but uh, yeah, it's it's not so clear his 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 fall as, as the others, but but also the other case that it's not that clear is Veronica Mendoza who ran an interesting campaign, I think. Um, Veronica Mendoza was kind of the progressive element in, in, in the race. She, mm-hmm. she was progressive on economic issues, but also on social issues. Uh, 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 a supporter of abortion, of gay rights, of um, of feminist politics, and and I think she was interesting in many ways. And 
but it doesn't seem she made the 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 mark that she did uh, in the last election and i feel um i think the the value of the new in castillo was 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 fairly was fairly important so so i think yeah. we could we could move to talk to 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 the two that have passed to, to the second round which are uh pedro castillo and, and keiko Fujimori. so Pedro Castillo is basically a, a, an elementary school teacher who has been a, a leader of a kind of dissident faction within the, the SUDEP, which is the, the teachers' union, and, and that, that was uh, um, elected the presidential candidate of, of Peru Libre, which is a leftist party, but that uh, unlike Juntos por el Perú, the party of, of, of Veronica Mendoza, on, on social issues, they have much, much more conservative positions uh, and, and also the broad view about, about democracy and institutions is much more weak in, in their case. Um, it is very curious because uh, I, 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 I was thinking that, that his campaign was kind of trying to... to, to 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 channel this this protest against uh, obviously Peru, as I mentioned, has been one of the worst hit the countries by the COVID nineteen pandemic, having the highest death toll uh, by COVID nineteen in in the entire world, which is really something that that I think even the the most pessimistic Peruvians didn't didn't thought it was going to be possible. Uh, but I think this this very complex situation in which the uh, there is an oxygen in, 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 to save the, the the relatives of one, or there is there are not beds in in, in hospitals or even in clinics, uh, which has the, the the healthcare sector is completely overwhelmed. It it makes a lot of people to look at, at another kind of, of, of way to see at things and maybe in a much more radical way in, in, in the way that that I think uh, uh, the reasoning is what what do we have to lose and th- that's what I think particularly the support of, of, of Pedro Castillo is in the more poor sectors um, and and Keiko Fujimori is a curious case because I think she's kind of the has been already has run for for president twice. You know, and 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 I, and I think we will maybe speak later about the debate. I think it was very very curious her her performance, but but I think there is a deep distrust of, of Keiko Fujimori in, in different yeah. elements of, of society, uh, and I think that 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 uh, anti Fujimorism what he was is it has been called the. Uh, the sentiments against her are, are are still a powerful political force. Yes. So so that is is, is going to be a, an interesting development. Uh, so how how do you see this this second round being developed? I think well, basing on what we saw at the polls, uh, the last ones that was Ipsos yesterday. Uh, I think the the campaign still goes down to. It's Fujimori fighting against herself, and well, Castillo so far has done pretty well to stay up, but it's Keiko's biggest enemy is still herself. You know that that uh, 
anti-Fujimorista vote, you know, anti-her, anti-her dad, who was a dictator that ruled over Peru from almost 10, 11 years. That anti, that that still has the vote as as it has, uh, it's been the key element since the last uh, three elections now. 2011, 2016 was a referendum. It was essentially a debate on Fujimori. And it's it, to a lesser extent now, it still is. Because not only does she represent her dad, she represents a continuation, uh, kind of a validation of, of her, her, her father's or regime. Right, because he and she doesn't shy away from it. You know this this campaign has been the most uh, the the campaign in which she has doubled down the most on that Fujimori uh, surname. You know she didn't campaign as Keiko, or her uh, campaign posters were as Fujimori outright. No uh, no Keiko in there, and I think it's it's still on her. You know the Ipsos poll yesterday showed that fifty percent of people would never vote for her, and that's massive that's casillas 35 and most obviously most politicians have really high antis but after alan garcia died she's the most hated politician in this country and it's not only down to her dad anymore it's it's down to her as well it's down to her party's behavior in the past congressional uh, term it's down to her investigations for corruption that could lead her 30 years in jail I think this election is still down to Fujimori against herself if she wants to win. And obviously, Castillo needs to keep his head above, above water and he'll do all right. He hasn't lost any votes, according to the polls, since the the results came out uh, three weeks ago. He's still like pulling above 40%. So it's, it's pretty much down to Keiko to do something, if she can, if it's possible. I think Castillo has done very well to stay above water. He should present some new things so he can keep the electorate interested, you know, get a couple of undecided voters from Keiko maybe, you know, if he presents a decent enough uh, government plan. He, he doesn't have one. He, at least he says that. He says that he's not going to follow Vladimir Sarron's uh, uh, government plan. He's going to make his own, but he hasn't made one yet. He doesn't have any advisors because he says he's going to make, he's going to get new advisors that are not Sarron. So it's really hard, and if you, it's not hard if you don't believe him and you think he's going to follow Saron all the way around. But for people that still are undecided, they are still waiting to see if he does something that could potentially get him some new votes. You know, maybe he gets a new government plan. Maybe he gets some ad- good advisors, and people are drawn to him. People are looking for a reason. I think all the anti-fujimorista vote. They're looking for a reason to vote for him, and if they cannot find one, they're going to just blank their vote again at Luau Navisiar. So it's it's a very complicated one, actually, because it's not only anti-Fujimorismo, which is the most powerful movement of the last 10 years in elections. There's no There, there are no parties in this country, but there's a couple of movements. You know, there's the fear of the left, and then it's anti-Fujimorismo. And anti-Fujimorismo is stronger than the fear of the left, because it's been quite a while. So yeah. it, it is down to those things, I think. Yeah, I think you you have uh, summed it up in a in a, in, a, in a really great way. What what I think is is going on. Uh, I do think to to put in in context, uh, particularly your your last words. Uh, yeah, I mean it, it's worth noting. Like obviously, like people maybe have uh, heard of the shining path of the Emirate, yeah, where 
terrorist organizations who, who up in between the 80s and the 90s committed several, um, obviously, acts of malice, violence, and terrorism around the country. But and and obviously the the, the right has tried to to, to portray as, as 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 all the left being 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 sympathetic to the shining path or whatever they are, and, and and all the left being communist and and, and it's and what a Peruvian journalist was, was saying like Marcos y Fuentes I think you know if they are accusing like uh, the current president Francisco Sagasti who work at the World Bank of being a communist, like what does communist mean? Or that like, yeah, like everything is a communist. Everyone is a communist, and, and, and it doesn't make much sense at this point. Like people yeah. no longer buy the the kind of this narrative because um, something that that I think is, is, is worth noting uh, is that I do think uh, in the 2016 election, it was much more powerful and more than communism per se, the idea of, 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 of Yantumala being too close to Hugo Chavez. And, and while the, it was true that Venezuela wasn't the, the, the economic failure that is now, it, it was true that Venezuela was already going into an authoritarian direction. So mm-hmm. in that election that, that, that Alan Garcia won, it's true that it kind of worked in one way, but the reality yeah. is also that in in the 2011 election with Oyantumala, much more moderate, he he was able to to win over uh, over Keiko Fujimori. Uh, so I, I do think what what is uh, certainly challenging is what the uh, as I mentioned before, Marcos Fuentes was a Peruvian journalist who has been covering a lot this election um, has mentioned is that the, the the real concern is is about press freedom here because uh, it seems very clear that 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 there is a very um, very direct uh, press uh, like the 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 directorship like the Kind of the CEOs of of, of, of the mm, yeah of, of TVs of of radios of 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 the owners uh, of the, of the mass media the, the mass media are are really invested in, in a victory of 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 of, of Fujimori and really yeah. uh, committed to that and, and and there have been you know some moves some 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 journalists have been removed even the those journalists, for the record, weren't that sympathetic to Castillo, but they were more or less critical to 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 Keiko Fujimori, which is not that strange given all that we have been talking, and that there is a considerable size of anti-Fujimorismo as a political force. So, on, on principle, that shouldn't be that strange. But um, I do think it puts uh, a very kind of complicated picture because uh, as, as, as Marcos y Fuentes has pointed out, it's not that there are elements of, of, of both Peru Libre and, 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 and the things that, that, that Pedro Castillo himself said that, that, that shouldn't be concerning, but the issue is that by, by trying to, to put kind of conspiracy theories about him, uh, they we are not talking about this, these other issues. Uh, 
I, I do think it, it is curious, and, and maybe we will talk a little bit about the the the, the debate of, of, of the of the of, uh, mm -hmm. of last Saturday because it was kind of an, an investive debate, like in, in in you know it was kind of self organized in some way. And and it was in Chota, so so it was it was, it was great. <laughs> yeah, it was great. So uh, yeah, like Keiko Fujimori, like most politicians in, in Peru of the most, uh, living in, in, in Lima, um, while Pedro Castillo is an elementary school teacher in in, in, in the province of Chota in, in Cajamarca in the northern Andes of Peru, and he teaches, I think, in 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 the in the same town where he was born. So that is quite impressive. Um, I, I think it was a really interesting debate. Uh, my, my big idea is, is that I have seen many takes on it. Uh, my vision is that, that, that Keiko Fujimori lost the debate, but not mm -hmm. that, that Pedro Castillo win the debate. And I'm going to try to explain it why. I, mm -hmm. I I think that like a lot of the phrases that Keiko Fujimori said that it was kind of difficult to come to here and, and that I have to come to here and then like she was very angry to have to go to to, to Chota, uh, you know, kind of reminded of the people that, that politicians that are outside of Lima don't really like to come to, to, to other places that they only do for the campaign. Uh, and 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 but that is the hometown of 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 of, 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 of Castillo. So, so he was kind of more more in norm there. Also, like a lot of of the promises she, she done, like sounded fairly economic populist. Of of the ones she was kind of warning, particularly in the first round. Yeah. So that was really. Um, really a, a very curious issue. Uh, uh, some have mentioned that she didn't lose that much time and that Castillo was kind of, for moments, kind of lost. But he makes some 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 points of relationship with, with the people that I think was important. Uh, like he, he mentioned that, 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 that his, his kids go to a, a public school um, and that he lives in, in you know, in the, in the same... Um, uh, town where he was born, uh, the, and there is a phrase that, that could sound controversial, but but he said it's time for for Peruvians to vote for the, the song of the people, not the killers of the people, which which was a kind of very 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 strong kind of framing. Um, mm. I feel it was a really a really. Curious event. I, I think uh, some argue that, that maybe Castillo was would have been much more critical. I think he was fairly nervous, but but I think in some way he he made this connection that he has with with people. At the same time, there were elements that were fairly concerning, like the both candidates have very regressive views on, on most social issues, including immigration, which yeah. maybe people don't don't know. But there is a significant uh, Venezuelan. Uh, Population in in, in 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 Peru because of the the economic crisis in 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 Venezuela has led to to an immigration all around the 
the, the region. So there are many Venezuelans in, in Colombia, there are many Venezuelans in Ecuador, uh, in, in, in Brazil, in Argentina, in Chile, but, but also in Peru. So Almost a million uh, in Peru, actually. Yes. Almost a million. Second yeah, most, second destination for Venezuelans after Colombia. Yes, that's that, that's true. So that that is, I, I think, uh, uh, and, and and I think there there is kind of this stigmatization that has been that, that some Venezuelans that have committed crimes and try to to portray as the the whole community is, is kind of involved, and 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 I feel both fell on, on that, and I think that in some ways the they have more common elements in common that it that it might appear because they they technically represent two elements of the kind of uh, political spectrum in some way, but I, I do think there there is kind of this uh, element which is quite curious of of, of the and, and Castillo strangely enough mentioned much more the family than Keiko which was very curious. And and I think it it, it is very relevant. Uh, like these crises that the Peru has living, it would have been worse if it was not because of, of families. Because a lot of time families uh, have supported each other to to buy the the the, the, the oxygen to to go to the clinics, kind of of of, of, of help. That that a kind of connection that, that maybe in other parts is not that common and 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 I think there is some part of that narrative that maybe challenged the kind of the, the other level narrative the kind of more progressive narrative that that that, that, that speaks of, of sexual liberation and in which kind of the center is not the the family but kind of the individual and I think it, it speaks of, of difference between the labs that not all the labs have have uh, you know like uh, different kind of of, of, of spectrums. I guess in some way I will say that there are the more progressive elements of the left maybe have have taken things from the, the from the, the cultural revolution in the sixties, like the, the the gay rights movement in in in, mm-hmm. in 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 the U.S. or or or, or the sexual liberation, the, the feminism. In, 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 in France with, with and, and in kind of taking you know those elements and try to to put them in in, in their their own kind of, of philosophical uh, horizon in kind of the ideological horizon in some way and and in the case of, of, of Castillo what what I see and in the case of, of, of I think a, a significant element of Peru Libre I, I see that there is a narrative against that, and and it's very curious. But but I do remember that that there were even back in the in the in the in the in the in the seventies or and, and maybe even in the sixties, the, the kind of talk within the Peruvian left, from what I have un- understood about the the colonialist uh, element of of, of Marxism. And, and well, well, I remember from what I remember that the kind of reference that they do were about economics more than 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 than, than, than social issues. Uh, for example, they they mentioned the, the, their defense of, of the kind of, of, of the kind of commercial activities for, that for for many elements uh, um, of the more kind of rural left 
like obviously it was they they see as a nonsense to try to stop people from from selling their their own production and, and kind of these elements that that for other labs it was kind of the station by this and then and then have a central planning and and, and they saw this and, and I think that that is a much more kind of economic argument but I feel that the 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 kind of uh, of left of Castillo and and of and of Peru Libre has kind of this this element of of, of the of the international left but more much more uh, less than on economic issues more on on social issues or criticism toward that that this kind of and and they saw like in in the sixties and seventies there, there was a a minority that that, that that really saw that that kind of Trying to implant to to say in some way, uh, Western Marxism was not going to work for 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 the people in in the Andes because they they kind of have another different traditions in, in particular in regards to 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 kind of commercial activities. Um, something that I think is worth noting uh, now that we talk about commerce is mm-hmm. that regions that have left leaning have had left leaning. Governors in in recent times are Cajamarca, Junín, and, and Puno, and and well, those three regions have many differences between them, even if the, the three regions are on the Andes, is that they are known for having a very staunch commercial spirit, um, like uh, Puno particularly is, is is very known for for its its kind of commercial uh, spirit. Uh, the 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 they are kind of a, a symbol maybe in some way of, of kind of this market uh Andean market kind of radicalism in some way which which so so I think that there is this commercial spirit and and which which could lead me to, to the next point which is quite curious. I feel like there are many narratives being 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 said but I don't necessarily think that 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 people are voting for Castillo because he's a a leftist, but they are voting for Castillo in some cases because they are anti keiko and in other cases because they are they are they want a change in some way, even if it, if not necessarily that clear ideological. I don't know what do you make of that. Yeah, well, obviously. People vote for Castillo uh, because they obviously there's a good amount of them that believe in in what he believes and what he stands for. You know, the Ipsos poll yesterday mentioned that uh, it was like forty between forty and fifty percent of them of the voters of Castillo were going to vote for him because they believed that he was the candidate, uh, the best candidate, and the other forty uh, percent thought that that he, they were going to vote for him because he was not he was the least bad. Uh, El mal menor, as we always say, you know. Whilst in Keiko's uh, Keiko's uh, turn in Ipsos, it was I think it was like fifty or fifty three percent of people were going to vote for her just because it was in Pedro Castillo, and it was just the difference was outstanding. You know, people don't want to vote for Keiko; they just don't want Castillo. So it's just it's it's very rough. And EAP the other day had a poll, and they asked, "Why are you going to vote for?" Uh, for your candidates and people that responded, they're going to go for Castillo. They 
nineteen percent of them voters said they're gonna they're gonna vote for him because he is like them. So there's a they see themselves. There's an identity thing to this. You know, he's a populist. He's a leftist populist, and this has been a a fixture for a long time. You know, Alan Garcia was a populist. Fujimori was a populist. You know, uh, and they all had the discourse. You know, this of being populism this populism that and they talked about you know the, the the poor poor people you know not having enough and rich people having too much but castillo is the only one out of them all that actually looks like most of the, like he actually is part of them he came from cajamarca you know, he came from chota he's he's a person who's, who is a teacher he teaches in the in the place i think the place where he was born after the first uh after the first round you know he was back in chota he was a uh, with he was in his in his house you know in his in his little chakra in in his farm and this makes such a big difference you know ident seeing yourself in a candidate it's it has a bigger impact than people understand you know you can hear a lot of people talking about you know the popular populism ideas you know the liberation and stuff like that but it's so much different when it when the person who echoes the sentiments is one of them, you know, essentially, you know, this politics has been uh, a thing of elites for many years, and it's being uh, it's been decentralized. And Castillo speaks for them, and and as I said, you know, the EAP poll said that nineteen percent of people were going to vote for Castillo because he is like them, and that is an element we we should not take away from, you know, we should not uh, take for granted. Uh, people see themselves in him, and that's that's very important. You know, you, you seeing yourself in a candidate, whilst uh, in the same poll, Fujimori, forty uh, percent of the voters they're gonna vote for her. They say there's gonna they're gonna well, they voted for her in the first round, forty percent because of his dad, Albert, the dictator Alberto Fujimori. So there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot in there. I think. Castillo can has a lot of things going for him, uh, but identity and anti-Fujimorismo is 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 one of them. You know, people people believe him. You know, even if that means nothing to some voters. You know, the vote voting is as emotionally as it is a rational decision, and rationality is, is not separate from emotion. You know, everyone has a bit of emotion in that vote, even if that emotion is fear. You know, people, Fujimori is now saying the fear of communism, you know, it's coming back. Communism was never a thing here. So that, the vote is an emo, it's emotional as well. And we shouldn't take that for granted for either side, you know, the f- fear and people see Castillo and they see hope. Even if you think that hope is misguided, even if you think he's not, he doesn't have the, uh, the, the people around him, the advisors, or even him, he doesn't have the c- capability of doing it. People believe in that, and that that matters. We should never underestimate the voter. We shouldn't put him in a pedestal either. But there is some respect that we need to have to the voter, and there is a lot of things working in Castillo's favor. And there, the big big stone on Keiko is still still herself, Fujimori, and the surname Fujimori represents everything that his dad did in the nineties. Yeah, I, I I was going to mention something about voters. I I think. Um, a candidate we, we haven't talked because I, I think there was so many candidates we, we can talk about any all of the ones that were in the first round but 
was Hernando Soto, was a well-known uh, economist, and the kind of one of the champions of neoliberalism. But mm-hmm. um, he was rising on the polls. Like uh, it was a very wide field, so 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 he kind of found the public. But the issue I think that led to his fall was that he was very like uh, you know into saying that you know the the, uh, the private sector should should do the vaccination and 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 I was remembering like uh, a couple of, of weeks I don't know if before or after uh, that but but I think it even even close to to that to that timeline um, Tyler Cohen was was introduced so Tyler Cohen is a is one of the most known like libertarian uh, economists, a, a very staunch defender of free market, and he was saying basically the pharmaceutical sector depends on on, on the on the on the government. It is one of those sectors that is very difficult to be maintained on an open free market, mm-hmm. and like in that sense, he understood why vaccines were not a free market. So. Uh, but but you know like uh, Hernando Soto, unlike him, was comparing like like uh, like vaccines uh, with with Turina. It was like strange, and and I think that really impacted him because uh, it's true. Maybe not the, the the average Peruvian, maybe not the most well versed in economic policy, but but it, it kind of you know like uh, sense of, of of not not even kind of explaining what, what kind of, of you know, of comparison he was doing. And I think uh, people don't mention that much recently, but, you know, she talking about like the private vaccination. Now she said that, 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 that the private sector will do it for free. But the issue is that, that, that the, I mean, even if, if there were like, companies that were, Buy, try to buy vaccines for for their employees. The the issue is that vaccine producers aren't selling to 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 private companies, and I think that is something really mm-hmm. worry. Also, the fact that that uh, that many elements in their uh, medical health uh, advisors have have been you know. Uh, talking basically conspiracy theories also worries in a sense that like there is a lot of focus particularly in the media on, on the things that 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 uh pedro castillo or the people in Peru Libre said that that are you know out of place but also there are things that 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 keiko fujimori and, and their team say that that are really out of place despite that on theory, they have been in politics much more longer, and, and in theory, they they should know, be, know better. Yeah, I think one of the things that I, I found more interesting in uh, both EAP and Ipsos polls, the last ones, is that they asked if they sh- there should be a change to the model, and Ipsos asked more specifically to the economic model. And thirty-two percent of the people said. The report said that they, there should be radical changes to the model, to the economic model, and 54% thought there should be moderate changes to this economic model. So that's 86% of the people want to change, one change, some change to this economic model. In uh, 
more or less, but they want to change. And that's the thing is that both Hernando de Soto, both uh, Robes Aliaga, and now Keio Fujimori, they're representing a continuation of something that people just, it just is, it isn't working for them. Even if there's wonders to them all and, you know, there's so much written about it and there's so much talked about it. It's a, it's a big discussion everywhere. But the numbers speak for themselves. You know, people want a change, even if that's a moderate change. And so far, Keiko is not that. She doesn't, She if she changes the campaign to like Alan 2006, 2006 with, in which it was something like responsible change or something, that might work for her. But people right now want to change. Hernando Soto was not a change. He was a continuation. Lopez Alea was a continuation. Keiko Fukimori was a continuation. And, you know, we need to see people are tired, even if it's granted or not. Maybe people don't, you know, there's a lot of people saying, actually, the, the question was poorly formulated. What do people think a model is? What is in a model? It, there's a lot of technicality to it. But if you look at it plainly, people, most of the people want a, want a change. And if they, if Keiko doesn't, if Fujimori doesn't understand that people want to change, then she's not going to win. She, she, she needs to understand. And all the other candidates should have understood in the, it was, it was a pandemic election. People want change. Something is definitely not working for them if they want to change so badly. You know, Castillo's, Castillo won with 19%, but he won. And now he's leading the polls again. And there, it's clear that, uh, People want a change of some sort. If that changes, and you know, we must listen. You always have to listen to what people have to say. You know, if you're, if you, even if you, even if you, even if the model is correct and and it's going well, if people don't feel it, then they're gonna want a change. And that's something we sh- that Keiko should listen to. You know, that's something that all the candidates should have listened to, and they didn't. And well, here we are with uh, Castillo leading the polls by nine points. And this question that's saying that a lot of people want a change. Yeah, I mean, something that I think is, is very curious is that uh, Hugo Otero, who was a, a, a campaign manager of, of several former presidents, uh, mentioned something when, when he was recently interviewed. You know, when, when asked about Castillo, he said his message sounds more, more like a Christian than a Marxist. And I think that is true in some sense. Like he, he talks of the Bible, as I mentioned, he has a very fairly conservative leaning um, uh, views on a lot of issues. But also in economics, he kind of made the, the moral imperative of, of kind of solidarity, uh, of, of kind of community. And, and and I think it is interesting, certainly, because it's not kind of the traditional campaign. I mean, some people have tried to compare him to, to Evo Morales. I don't think Evo Morales was a center in religion or, or Yaku Perez, which I, I also don't think he was that much center in religion. As, as in, 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 in Pedro Castillo, I don't know if, if I could say center in religion, but, but where kind of this religious discourse is, is certainly important and, and, and part of, of, of who, who he is. And I don't think he's, he's, he's faking that part. I, I think on some issues, he's sounding certainly more moderate than, than in the first round. But it, it seems like uh, for better or for worse, he believes what he's saying. And 
And the issue that is very curious that Hugo Otero was saying is that in some way uh, what, what Keiko Fujimori needs to do in order to win the election is saying, yes, the model has problems and we need to address it. But that is, is kind of uh, uh, doing a criticism to her and, and kind of giving an element of, of Castillo to, 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 to attack her, obviously. But um, I am not sure if she's willing to, to do that. And uh, as you mentioned, I, I think that, that there is a big distrust in, in the system and, and people want a, a radical change. And obviously, like at this point, the one that is proposing a more radical change is, is, is Castillo. Um, yeah. So, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. I just want to no, say, no. I just wanted to say that people don't trust Keiko. So even if she said it, people just don't trust her. There's there's too much history of her promising things and not not uh not standing to her word. You know, she, she, there's there's too much history of that. There's the Congress. You know, there's past elections. People just don't believe uh, Fujimori anymore and. Because Castillo is a new a newcomer, you know, he's an outsider, as they said. Well, not outsider to to Lima. He's an insider to the rest of the country. Uh, people just don't believe the old politician. You know, it's uh, the the establishment. Keiko is the establishment. They, people distrust the establishment, and people don't know enough about Castillo to distrust him yet. And he seems kind of genuine. Uh, people believe that at least, and. That works for him, and people don't trust Keiko. So, even if she makes a, lo a big effort, do, will people believe her? I don't know. Uh, I I actually have no idea. But she 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 could try. <laughs> yes, I I I I think the the issue is that, that I don't. I'm not sure she's going to try because, in some ways. The, this election was framed as the model versus the anti-model, and I think she still wants to to campaign on that narrative. And I think um, the in this debate she sounded much more populist in economic issues, but she sounded like very kind of clientless, like in the in the way you know to to redistribute resources, but yeah. I am going to, to mention something that I found really interesting about last year um, that, that intersects with a lot of things uh, uh, about um, uh, a disabled woman that was uh, selling uh, um, some clothes in, in, in the streets of, uh, of, of La Victoria, which was the, the, the district that, of which the former presidential candidate, George Forsyth, was mayor. Um, And, and 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 she was saying like that when you know the journalists asked her why she was in 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 the streets and 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 she said something really interesting like she said that she suffered a lot in in the pandemic and she she didn't get you know like uh, infected by COVID 19 luckily but but that she was had to be you know at at, at her home and she was in the wheelchair, so obviously it was very difficult to move. Um, and, and that the thing that she felt when, when she was kind of on the streets that she was useful 
and that she was part of something, you know, of a community which which kind of markets have this kind of anthropological level to it, you know, the kind of, of, of relationships of of, 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 of friendship, you know, to, with all our sellers, with, with regular buyers and things like that. Mm-hmm. And what she was saying, it was, it was that, you know, the, the mayor of, of Lima, Jorge Muñoz, had said that, that, that they will accept like the, the street vendors that were disabled. But then at the last day, he said, no, they were not going to, to accept any street vendors. But, you know, like she didn't have another job. So she was there, you know, and she was just hoping that, that they were going to keep her out. So I, I do think that are the kind of realities that, that show how complex is, is, is the reality that, that, that we live every day and that sometimes we, we, we don't see it, but, 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 that, it, but it, that it exists, like this, this marginalizations within marginalizations. And obviously in contexts like that, it, it is difficult to, to not understand the, the desire of things to happen. Um, I agree that that probably a lot of people are not going to 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 trust Keiko, and I, and I think they 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 no longer trust the, the political class. And in, as as you mentioned, they they see Castillo as an outsider, and, and in some way he, even if I don't think the election is is called, I think the, the that Castillo is still has a, a strong chance. So mm, I, yeah. what will be your, your final thoughts on, on, on this second round of the Peruvian presidential election? I think uh, that five weeks, that is the time before the election, is a lot of time. So there's plenty of time for things to change. You know, there's... We, we improve, we've seen, we've seen worse, so... I, I wouldn't be surprised if something happened, like a massive news, you know, something about Castillo comes up in the press or something, or something about Fujimori even, and, you know, the election gets flipped on, on its tail. That could happen. I, I think that's very plausible. But I think if if nothing massive or major happens, which is quite hard to believe won't happen, I think Castillo has better chances of taking it and winning the election and he does to lose and every time every week that a poll comes out and the difference continues to be that big and Keiko is close in the gap kind of right now but it's 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 not enough it's it's still a lot it's nine points it's still a lot so I think there's a lot of time you know anything can happen but if there's no uh, radical or significant change I think Casio uh, should uh, Get it, you know. Uh, he has, doesn't have the money that Fujimori is going to spend on the campaign. You know, the media is going to be against him. There's going to be so much, so much disinformation. But I think, again, if nothing massive happens, we sh- we the 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 distance is going to get shorter, definitely. But I don't see him losing if there is no earthquake, as they say in politics. But you know, I could be wrong. I've been wrong before, <laughs> so yeah. uh, there's there's it's too much. Five weeks is too much time. You know, a lot can change in five weeks. And I think the best thing for Peruvians, and this is me talking as a citizen, not a journalist or anything. The best thing that happened to Peru is that both candidates just become better, <laughs> become more moderate, 
become more democratic. You know, if they become, they should, ideally they would push each other to become better. That, that, that clearly isn't happening. But the best thing that can happen to Peru is that if they both, you know, improve in order to get the, the, the people's vote, you know, if they become better than the versions they are right now, that would be ideal. I think it would be great for everyone. But I don't see that happening. So I see more populism coming. Or I, see more, I see more xenophobia coming from them. I see more uh, just terrible stuff coming, to be honest. So I wouldn't I wouldn't put money on them, uh, become better as candidates or as a potential leaders of the country. But this is what we have. And, and I think, again, five weeks is a lot. Castillo uh, has more chances every week, but there's still plenty of time. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. So it has been really a, a, a pleasure talking to you, Kenneth. I think it was uh, really informative, this conversation. I hope that, that, that people understand a little bit <laughs> more about what, what is going on in Peru, which which is really complex. Uh, and, and it's true the situation could happen in, in these five weeks a lot, Uh Politics is always difficult to predict, but Peruvian politics is much more difficult to predict because it's it's not very institutionalized. So I don't think the the endorsements matter that much as, as in other countries where where, mm-hmm. where there are organizations where you know if one organization like endorses like everyone in that that party is going to vote like the line and they are not going to challenge the mm-hmm. the decision of, of, of kind of the of the political leadership of the organization. So, but in, in Peru is not, not the case. And um, yeah, I, I, I do think it's going to be complicated. So in order, before we end, uh, so where do the people can, can find you, your work or, or any project and your, your currently working something you <laughs> promote in some way? Yeah, of course. Uh, thanks for having me again. You know, it's been a pleasure. Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter. I'm on Twitter uh, at Kenneth Sanchez G. That's K-E-N-N-E-T-H-S-A-N-C-H-E-Z-G. And you can find me on Twitter and, sorry, on Instagram as well, at Kenneth.Sanchez. No, no, that's not right. At KennethSanchez.pe. And, you know, just uh, look me up, follow me on Twitter, Instagram. That'd be great. Uh, thanks again, uh, Camila, for the time and for having me in the program. Yeah, it's been really a pleasure talking to you. It's always informative reading <laughs> your book. Uh, so before we, we finish, I'm going to leave a fragment of, of, of the song Why Not by Mika Martino. Mm-hmm. 